CampusToCanton.com is taking it to another level. Starting August 28th, book in your college Saturday with the C2C team in every Saturday of the college football regular season. At 10 a.m. Eastern, come join the tailgate as we get you ready for the Saturday slate of games, start sits, players to keep an eye on, and college DFS lineups. Then the Late Show with Coast to Coast. We take you around the country to recap the significant fantasy performances, whose values increased or decreased the most, and those out-of-nowhere players that have to be considered for waivers. Do this right now. Go to the Campus to Canton YouTube page. That's Campus, the number two, Canton, and subscribe. Turn on notifications. You don't want to miss what we have going on. The tailgate in the morning, coast to coast to tuck you in at night. CampusToCanton.com has you covered for the most anticipated college football season ever. Go do it now. Go to the YouTube page and subscribe. Welcome to another episode of Campus Life, uh, the college side of our podcast here at the Campus to Canton. We are still in summer school. I am your long lost host, Austin, and alongside me. Oh, I'm, I'm Colin. I'm sorry. I thought I, I, you were teeing it up in a different way. <laughs> and this is Colin. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I, def- I didn't miss a week. We're not we're not all we're, we're, we're a little off. We're a little off. <laughs> We'll, we'll get it back by the time this show's over. Um, I, I promise. Um, you guys had some good shows last week, Colin. I, I really, really enjoyed listening to both of them. Um, but, you know, both um, both Corey and, and Alfred, obviously, here with us, uh, uh, did a good job with everything. So, and, and you as the lovely host. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I know. I had a lot of fun talking to both of those guys, um, both guys that I've talked to on Twitter for a while. And then, obviously, Alfred with the site. We've, you know, had some shows together. Uh, different uh, ranking summits, things like that, that we do. But that was the first time I'd ever talked to Corey P. Like, actually talked to him. So, yeah, um, yeah, I was excited to get that in. Yeah, I was happy when you told when you told me that he was coming on. Um, I, I like when there's smart guests when I'm gone <laughs> to make up for your la- the, the the exactly it's the like, uh, void filled by you. Exactly, exactly. There's there's only so many people that can can fill this chair. So, no, I don't actually. <laughs> But uh, yes, yeah, so they, they were very good episodes. I'm happy to be back. It was a relaxing vacation, even with good. all of you guys constantly needing things from me, um, such as life, I suppose. But here we are. We're excited. We've got a really good cram session here for you guys tonight. Um, somebody that you all know, that you all love, brought a lot of energy. But first, we're going to dive into some news here, Colin. Um, and then later on, we're going to hit some AAC news. And, uh, and break down that conference a little bit. So a lot to talk about tonight. But before we get into it, this podcast is part of the Fantasy Points Media Group, along with a bunch of other great podcasts, including the True North Fantasy Podcast, the Play to Win Podcast, Dynasty Happy Hour, Injury Prone Podcast with Dr. Edwin Porras, Dynasty Vipers, The Smoke Show, and the Fantasy Points Podcast itself. You can follow all of them in one place on Twitter at Fantasy Points Live. Or uh, every Friday, you can check out check out their weekly drop that includes uh, and recaps the week in Fantasy Points Media Group. Camps are kicking off, and I think the biggest piece of news that I've come across so far 
Mr. Jaleel Billingsley missed practice this week due uh, to what people seem to be calling some sort of a disciplinary issue. Nick Saban specifically called him out in a press conference. That is never good if dad is mad. And it sounds like the, the nictator is angry. I'm going to start <laughs> using that that more since, since you gave that to me a few weeks ago, Colin. Um, what are what are we doing with Jaleel Billingsley? Like, Do you have Jaleel Billingsley anywhere? I actually don't just because I tend to punt tight ends until pretty much forever. Um, Theo Johnson is the only like not even top name, but he's like the only like guy with a decent ADP that I ever really like go after. And that's just a lot of my Penn State homerism there. Um, I also believe in him as a talent too, but Jaleel Billingsley just typically falls in a range where I'm not willing to look at a tight end or take a tight end there. Um, and then I'm also worried about his NFL future too, given that size. So I, I thought he was going to have a huge year this year. You know, Bill O'Brien likes to throw the ball to his tight ends. He likes to throw the ball to his playmakers. Um, and as you'll hear a little bit later in the show, um, you know, we, we talk uh, about, uh, an Alabama playmaker. I don't want to give anything away. We talk an Alabama playmaker and Jaleel Billingsley, um, his name reaches into the conversation as well. So he is one of their playmakers that they're going to be looking to count on this year. So I think he's going to have a nice year until we're hearing some of these, the disciplinary reasons, Nick Saban calling him out. That's not good. Nick Saban will literally dig your, make you dig your own grave and then like <laughs> kick you into it. And he, he, it's if you're, if you're at Bama, you're basically an NFL light. It's a professional environment, you know, mm -hmm. with at any given time, 30 odd guys that are probably going to be in the NFL anyway. I mean, it's as close to a professional environment as you're going to find outside of the NFL, really, or, you know, the CFL or whatever. I mean, it's just that is what it is. I think once you get in his doghouse, it's very hard to get out. I'm starting to think uh, outside of Jaleel Billingsley himself who I have zero Jaleel Billingsley. Uh, I agree with you. And just to give some people an idea of what his ADP has been since we've started this, uh, starting in February by month, 128, 107, 78, 94, 107, 97. So it's been, you know, anywhere mostly between 95 and 125. You know, it's kind of been his range. And that that's just uh, much too early for me. You know, there, there, there are plenty of other good players that go in there. And uh, there are a couple of things that, that about Billingsley. Like, A, I just don't believe that he's 6'4", 230. Right. Like, I, Kyle Pitts is what, like 6'5", 6'6", 240? Yeah, if you put that. the two of them beside each other, they're, they're, it's not close. I would guess Billingsley is closer to 6'3", 220. And at that point, is he a good enough athlete? We, we had a big discussion in our Discord yesterday. Um, and I think everyone brought up really good points. At the end of the day, I'm, I'm a bit more of a conspiracy theorist, I guess. I've got my tinfoil hat on. I don't believe he's the size they have him listed at. And I'm not sure that he can show enough positional versatility. You know, he's his best case scenario, in my opinion, as I said, it was like Devin Funches that hybrid guy that like isn't really athletic enough, but like is kind of big, but like you, you can't bulk them. Like it, it's just like a, a no man's land. Uh, but I'm starting to wonder Cause I think they, they wanted to do a lot with him. They showed it in spring. They moved him around a lot. They, it looked like they were like, okay, we saw what they did with Kyle Pitts last year at Florida. Can we kind of do it with Kyle Pitts light here at Alabama? Uh, so, and I think that was going to eat into, a lot of other guys like now I'm just curious if he's not playing, you know, it's probably going to be Cameron Latu or whatever. 
I care zero about Cameron <laughs> Latu. I'm sorry, Mr. Latu and Mrs. Latu, if you listen to this show. I, I, you're, I'm not interested in your son for C2C purposes. D- does this open the door for a freshman outside of a GA Hall to rotate in a little bit more? It's not a like for like. But they, they they don't have another Jaleel Billingsley on the roster, so you might have to do something a little more creative with that. Right. I mean, I think the the obvious answer there is it, it would op- potentially open the door more for Ja'Cory Brooks. Um, he is the bigger body-wide receiver. Now, obviously, he's not as big as Billingsley, but, I mean, you know, actually, he he's not listed as big as... Um, as Jaleel Billingsley is, but I mean, honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if like height weight wise, he wasn't that far off because he's listed as six, three, one ninety. Um, I mean, he's, he's a little bit lighter for sure, but I think Ja'Cory Brooks is, is the obvious answer that, that that helps. And I've maintained all along that I think Ja'Cory Brooks is still going to have a significant role in this offense by the end of the year. Now he's, I think he's going to come on a little bit slower. Uh, but I still think he's the most talented uh, of those of that trio. Uh, so I, I like Ja'Cory Brooks a lot. So I, I think this is kind of a bit of a stock up for him just because, like you said, it, it kind of opens the door for for another playmaker to step in. Of course, this would happen directly after I released my 10 bold predictions for the 2021 season. Did you read that article, Colin? I'm going to bet you did. That's a good bet. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's my 11th bold prediction that Colin would not have read my article. Did you put that in the bottom of the bonus I, one? Because you probably should have. That would have been hilarious. It would have been really, really. That, that's like a really long setup for this like 30 second of joke payoff. <laughs> but you know what? Worth it. It would have been worth it. I, I messed up there. Um, yeah, you guys made me slave away while I was on vacation on multiple articles this past week. And that was one of them that I put out. Um, and in it, I, I said, a Bama freshman wide receiver transfers, and it's not Christian Leary. And my money was on Ja'Cory Brooks, and it's not because I don't like Ja'Cory. He was my wide receiver two in the class, but Hall was my wide receiver one. And as I said in the article, I've maintained for months, I don't think they could coexist this year. And with the new transfer rules, with the new NIL rules, it's hard to see a guy as talented as Ja'Cory Brooks sitting on a bench. Does this open the door for him? Maybe. Maybe now I feel a little dumber about having written that. But um, That's here we a bold are. Take you know, and you put bold takes out there, not because they're the most likely to happen, but because you know you it's something you got a good gut feeling on, and uh, you know that's obviously you didn't have this information when you wrote that, but I think you're wrong. <laughs> I think Jacory Brooks stays but there. You're dumb. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, a lot of other news here, actually, um, on, on some pretty significant names. Demond Demoss has a foot sprain out for an indefinite amount of time here. They're not really dead. They haven't given him too much of a timeline. Is it is, is it over? Is it over? Is it for Demond Demoss? Is it over? I mean, people keep trying to make Demoss happen. Demoss is not going to happen. Is Demoss like fetch? Demoss is fetch. Demoss is fetch. Okay. Stop trying DeMoss to make DeMoss happen. <laughs> um, yeah, I I was out. I was never really in on DeMoss. He just, he was always just way more athlete than wide receiver. And then doesn't see a snap at all last year. Has the the off-field issue um, this, uh, this winter. 
you know, now he has the foot sprain. I just, I, I don't see it with him. So here's my, here's my thing with guys like DeMoss, who I agree with you was 80% athlete, 20% receiver in high school. And that's probably being generous, but I don't want people to <laughs> send me dirty messages all week. So um, we'll, we'll, we'll put it at those percentages. That's a fine swing in like the third round of a, of a supplemental draft. When I have to spend the 105 or whatever, I don't have any ADP. I'm pulling these numbers out of my ass, people. So, again, <laughs> no dirty messages this week, please. But it, the risk at that point is just too much for me to take on. That's why I don't have – I have one Damon Damas, and it's on, an, it's on an orphan that I picked up this year, and I'm desperately trying to trade him. <laughs> this is yeah. not going to help my cause. No, uh, I think you you probably should have traded him before the before the show started. But. I tried, I tried. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm 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 with you. I, I think it's just I think it's done. Yes, I, I I there's a glimmer of hope because the wide receiver depth chart ahead of him is so piss poor. Right, that's why I love Shadrack. <laughs> <laughs> but now it's like he's always there's always something with him. We don't know yeah. who the quarterback's going to be either, and I think that's another you know right. a, a bit of a red flag uh, for him as well um, in terms of him producing immediately. Um, Joey Gatewood, everyone's favorite SEC quarterback, uh, mostly kidding, <laughs> is receiving the first team reps at quarterback at Kentucky. I think that is an interesting quarterback battle to watch. Because you have Gatewood, who you know was a pretty uh, pretty solid recruit coming out of high school. He's a four star kid. Um, went to Auburn, I believe. So if this story is sounding familiar, there is another <laughs> dual threat four star Auburn transfer quarterback that could make waves this season. That is not named Malik Willis. It could be Joey Gatewood. Uh, but they also brought in Will Levis from Penn State this year, who has that one video of him throwing against air that everyone just. Uh, you know, <laughs> fills up their pants a little bit when they watch. <laughs> Will Levis is terrible, people. Colin, stand back me up here. You're a Penn State fan. How bad is Will Levis? Will Levis is is not good. He's not a good quarterback. Um, there is a reason that he didn't beat out Sean Clifford. And um, somebody on Twitter brought up a good point, and I can't remember who it is. I know it's somebody who listens, either listens to the show or is in the Discord, so I apologize. I can't remember off the top of my head who it was. Uh, but they brought up a good point. You know, Franklin does have, James Franklin does have a tendency to kind of stick with his guy sometimes. But he looked for a reason to bench Clifford last year, man. Clifford struggled hard at the beginning of the year, and they turned to Will Levis for a little bit, and that did not last long. They used Will Levis as like a goal line rusher. They just like handed him the ball as like a wildcat quarterback in goal to go situations or like third and one or fourth and one. Like that was how they used him. They used him as a battering ram. He can't really throw. He can throw the ball far, but there's like, I mean, the accuracy is not great. He, he make, can't he, really read a he, defense. He makes Malik Willis look like Peyton Manning from a ball placement perspective. Yeah. It's bad. Yeah, it's not good. So, I mean, I know that he just got onto campus and Will Levis just got onto Kentucky in this fall here. So, obviously, it would have been hard for him to just step right in and get QB1 reps. Um, you know, so Gatewood was probably the favorite there, although they did have Bo Allen. Um, but 
I think this is going to be a trend all uh, all camp and then into the regular season where Joey Gatewood ends up being that number one guy there. Gatewood's the kind of guy, and he'll never be an NFL prospect. I feel no. very comfortable saying that. I don't yes. think this 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 thirty second clip will ever come back to bite me in the ass when I say that. <laughs> I don't think he's ever an NFL quarterback. What he is, though, and what he can do for this team that Levis can't. Even Levis is a good athlete, but Gatewood can be. Like they had what Lynn Bowden a couple years mm-hmm. ago, and it was basically a running back playing quarterback because they don't really have that much a receiver. They have Wandale, they have a couple decently touted freshmen this year that I don't think really play that much, and then it's like not really that much. I they, I just don't think it's it's not like you're you're taking them into Bama's wide receiver stable and then just neutering all of them. Like I just don't think there's anything there for him really to support. I think that team just needs just needs a shot in the arm, something a little different, to open up Wandale and to open up Chris Rodriguez a little bit. I, that's really what they need. I think Gatewood gives them the best chance, and I think if you're in a draft or you're you know setting up your waivers here for early in the season, I think he's a guy that you should watch list because he has such a nice rushing floor that he he could be. He could be a league winner this year. I'm not saying that he's going to. I'd put the odds of that at like less than ten percent. But he could be a league winner if that offense just kind of revolves around what he can do and he takes that job. Yeah, I mean, that's a spicy take, but, you know, uh, I think that's definitely inside the realm of possibility. Yeah, I mean, we like we like um, we like Konami code. That That's what yep. we want. So I think he definitely fills uh, fills in that role. Noah Kane is fully active here in fall practice to start things off. We've talked a lot about the RB situation at Penn State. The fact that he's ready now, he's got that job, right? I would, I would think so. Yeah, I mean, he he wasn't really ready in the spring to step in, and people were kind of making a big deal about Kevon Lee, uh, you know, getting those first team reps. A lot of them in the spring, although they did kind of split it up a little bit because they have a a stable of guys. They brought in John Lovett from Baylor, who fine. They have Devin Ford, who's pretty dynamic, but you know, he's not really a great running back overall Kaziah Holmes is still intriguing to me but um I, I think that had Kane been active in the spring he would have gotten those reps um and they were really talking him up from a they said he was like another coach on the field um this spring so I think he's very clearly the leader in that room um from just you know a locker room perspective and then I also think he's the most talented running back in that room and I think he's going to be the leader of that rushing stable of this year as well too yeah i mean i i still like kane i know i think we we've talked a lot about this i Kayvon lee is not the answer like at worst he's basically just noah kane but a year younger you know like everyone wants to wants to say that kane maybe isn't the most dynamic in space and that's probably true you know i've, I've never maintained that he's you know he, he's not competing for most athletic back in this class he's not but he's not i think he's more athletic than like Raheem Boyd, like you know, even though they're kind of built similarly, I think he's a little more dynamic than that. Um, yeah, we we've maintained on the show for months that he's going to be the starter. You're the Penn State insider. I know you're there every day of practice with binoculars, sitting outside the fence. So, yep. yeah, I mean, that, I've been that, asked that. to leave a couple times. They change positions. Hmm. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> there are worse things to be known for than the guy that got kicked out of a bunch of uh, Penn State practices. Yeah, that's a good point. 
It's a good point. <laughs> Speaking of uh, bigger backs there, Kevin Harris at South Carolina has not been fully cleared uh, after he had a uh, procedure on his back this offseason. Is it Marshawn Lloyd's season? That is kind of what I'm thinking here as well. Um, now, so all of these, uh, a lot of these news notes um, did come from um, college fantasy football at FBS fantasy foot. Um, if you guys aren't following him on Twitter, you have to follow him. He or she or whoever it is uh, comes out with um, every other day. They come out with like a series of news and notes and uh, on different things around the uh, around the college football landscape, it's things that are you know significant. And then they also tweet throughout the day as well. Um, so a lot of fantastic info coming from that account like that. I set up notifications for this account like I get I, I, I want to know what they're saying at all times. So uh, that's where a lot of these notes are coming from. Now, uh, they did go on to say that Harris is expected to be back for week one. But at the same time, this opens the door for Marshawn Lloyd and Marshawn Lloyd is the type of guy who he's going to see that door open and then he's just going to kick it in like the Kool-Aid man. And I don't know if he gives that job back. He was looking like he was going to uh, take that job last year as a freshman before he tore his ACL. Assuming he's back fully healthy, which all of reports have been that he is. I mean, he's back to doing backflips uh, again. Uh, so I think Marshawn, I think it's Marshawn Lloyd season. You're, you're muted. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> who who can't do backflips? Can you can't do a backflip? Hand raise. No, I I can do one. I I don't even think I could do a backflip off of a diving board. I, I get in water and I can do a backflip uh, underwater. Yeah. Good point. <laughs> no, I can't. <laughs> that that's gonna be really interesting if if he's not fully healthy because I still feel like they don't want to rush Lloyd back. Right. I, I I really don't know how that backfield shakes out if if let's, he's not fully healthy either. What's um the JUCO guy from last year, White? Um, last name White. Uh, Z. It starts with a Z. Is his first name? It was like a weird one. It's not Zamir White. Um. Uh, let me just keep. Let me just zo um, Google this here real quick. Zaquandre White. Yeah, that's the guy. Um, maybe yeah. he gets a shot at it here too. I mean, he's. He had some people. He, he there's a little bit of hype for him um, coming into last year before Harris stole the show. Yeah, no, I mean I thought White Kevin Harris wasn't on my radar last year. No, anyway, I thought it would be Lloyd, and then I thought White would, would steal some touches. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, who knows? Um, we might not really know until the season really starts with the sparseness of injury info as it relates to college football. Right. Another name to come from my bold predictions article this weekend, which I said that Israel Abanaconda will be a top 50 startup pick next offseason in C2C drafts. Pitt's running back. Is he the RB1 at Pitt this year? Colin, you are a Pitt expert. Take it away. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I mean, all of my sources at Pitt say that, yeah, he's going to be the uh, he, he's, he's going to be the RB1 there. Um, now, uh, we had when we had Corey on last week too he was talking up israel uh abanaconda izzy um and yeah i mean i think that was a great call um you are the actual pit expert here so i'll let you run with this one 
Yeah. Um, so I ne- I did not expect him to play last year. I didn't expect Addison to play last year either. I mean, Narduzzi's not really a freshman friendly kind of guy. I, I but he was easily the most talented back. You know, we have Vincent and AJ Davis here. They are not related, believe it or not. Um, but they got the bulk of the snaps at running back last year. Neither of them are NFL backs. They will they will not neither of them will ever touch. I don't even know if they'll play a preseason game. Like they're just not that level of player. Abanaconda is. He's a great athlete. He has a verified 4540. He has a verified 39-inch vert. Those are the numbers I want to see, especially that vert number, that explosiveness number. Uh, he has it. He's got at, at at this point, he now weighs he's 5'11, 215. He has NFL size. The they picked teams at Pitt this year for the spring game, like the players like picked, like you do with like in Sandlot. He was the first pick overall on the whole entire team. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. I don't think he's going to be a producer this year for your C2C teams. I would be shocked if he's a startable player, but I think he's going to be in that rotation and he's clearly going to be the best back and he like he can catch passes. He, he's dynamic in the open field. So I, I really think, yeah, and that's not just my pit homerism because in that article I also wrote that Jordan Addison is probably the most overdrafted player this offseason <laughs> in C2C drafts. Um, I, I, I even I had to even it out a little bit, right. um, but I, I really, really think that he can be a, a a round two pick at the end of the day uh, when the NFL comes calling. He's he's that level of player. He really is best pit running back uh, since since James since, since James Connor before he missed a season. Okay, yeah. I almost said he's the best. He's probably going to be the best best pit running back since Lashawn McCoy, but I, freshman. And sophomore James Conner was really good. So, yeah. but but he'll be right up there with those guys. Man, that's that's hot. That is uh, that's a hot take right there. I mean, I I think that I think you're right. I think he's not going to produce enough for your uh, college side to make it worth starting him, barring an injury to Davis. But I think he's the type of guy who's going to have some really nice flash plays this year. I think he's going to be extremely efficient on his touches. And yeah, I think that he's a guy that's going to see a pretty significant rise. He's definitely a guy that I'm trying to target before people start to catch up to this news because I want Israel Abanaconda. Yeah, I, I have a lot of him. Um, I know. We're, we're, I know. I, every time I go to look, see, oh, who who in my league has uh, Israel Abanaconda? It's, it's like Austin. Like, Nine times out of ten. I'm like, good luck. Get there it goes. (laughs) Uh, Justin Ross, I think, is probably I we probably should have let off with this. I think it's probably bigger news than Julio Billingsley. Um Justin Ross, they said that he had basically two hurdles that he had to get through. He cleared the first one medically back in like February or March, but he still had the second one to get through, and he finally was has been fully cleared and ready to go. So what what does this do to his value for you? I think it just solidifies it for me for where it was because I was kind of operating under the assumption that he was going to get cleared anyway. Um, obviously, it wasn't a given, but that's kind of the way that you know things were going there. It was kind of trending towards he was going to be eligible or uh, uh, cleared to practice. It, it did happen. I will say it definitely did happen a little bit later than what I was expecting. Mm-hmm. I kind of expected to hear this news 
you know, maybe a month ago. Um, so the fact that it's it took him until now to get cleared is a little concerning, although maybe they just he was cleared and they just didn't announce it until now until camp started. Um, but I'm I still like Ross. Uh, I, I have him as my wide receiver 12. Uh, I am the highest on the site on him. You know, I think that there's definitely some risk there with that neck injury, but or, or the yeah, with the fused um it was the fused vertebrae, right? Mm -hmm. That was yeah. what it was in his back. Yeah. Uh, my, I was thinking Mike Williams with the neck injury, but there's definitely some injury risk there with him. And I don't know how the NFL is going to view those medicals, but for this year, I think he's going to be the, the, the best producing Clemson wide receiver there, especially because they're moving him into the slot. I think he's going to have a nice year uh, this year. And I think, you know, it's going to lead to him getting some hype leading into uh, the off season here. So, I like Justin Ross. I like, you know, I, I want to have him on my team if I can. A problem is a lot of people who have him aren't going to move him because they're also believers. But if you can get him, I would get him now because I think he's going to have a nice year and his value is going to stay insulated. And then you can kind of make your decision on what you think the NFL is going to view of his uh, medicals in the off season there, because we don't usually find that out till closer to the combine. So you'll have a little bit of time between when the season ends to when the combine starts to maybe offload him if you want. So I, I've talked a little bit about this and I think I've talked more about it on Debbie debate, but I, I think we've, we've broached the topic here a little bit about how you treat players that have an, a really good season or two. And then like their last season generally is, is when it hurts is, is not good. And you kind of have to then start digging between the lines. Was there an injury did they change some sort of scheme or usage? You know, you really have to kind of dig in and find out what changed for these guys. And Ross is going to be one of those. I I have to see it again this year because I went back. So I, I in addition to the 10 bold uh, predictions articles that um, I was forced to write while I was supposed to be on vacation. I was <laughs> you also, say forced to, you say forced to write who, who put the gun to your head. I was also forced <laughs> to write two ACC breakdowns while I was away. Um, one of them is done and the other one will be done soon. And actually the Clemson portion of it took me forever, partially because there's so many players there, but partially because I had to go back and watch Justin Ross again. I had to go back to, to give some sort of informed opinion on him because there is an inexplicable drop in his statistics from freshman to sophomore year. They used him. I went back because I went back and I was like, they had to have used him differently. And then first I checked PFF and like his A dot and everything, like the amount of times he was like where he was lined up were basically identical between the two years. So I was like, okay, what what the fuck? So I went back and watched, and he just doesn't look as explosive. I don't know if teams had figured him out. He just doesn't look as dynamic as he did as a freshman. I haven't heard anything about an injury. I mean, obviously the neck thing, but that he heard that in the spring that year. So I, I don't think that would have been it. Um, so I, jury's out, but I think there are people that still view him as like a top two or three wide receiver in this class. And I think if you can get that price for him, I would take that in a heartbeat and I would run personally. Yeah. I mean, if you can get that, that type of price tag. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, I would probably take that and run. I mean, as far as class of 2022 eligible wide receivers goes, um, I have 
I have six wide receivers ahead of him. So he'd be my wide receiver seven in that class. Okay. I think he's around there for me. I'd have to look at it. I don't have my, I, I don't have my Debbie rankings in front of me. So mm-hmm. I, I would not be able to say for sure. Um, but yeah, he'd probably be in that range for me as well. He certainly wouldn't be ahead of Garrett Wilson, David Bell, Traylon Burks, George Pickens. I still put Pickens ahead of him. Same. Um, I didn't really drop Pickens much at all in my rankings. I think I dropped him behind Garrett Wilson. He hasn't really dropped his ADP that much. No. So, well, sort of. He f- kind of falls into like the late second, early third round range now from what I've right. been seeing. That's true. And he so it's a little like, bit. Yeah. Yeah. But not, not, not significantly. I thought it would drop him more. Um, I thought that would be like the final straw for people. Um, but like, I, I, I don't know. And I, I'm very conservative with how I play mm-hmm. fantasy football. So that etched a bit too much risk uh, for me. Um, speaking of people back from the dead, Derek King at Miami uh, got the first, uh, in addition to to being at practice, got the first professional sports NIL deal today with the Florida Panthers. I don't know if anybody saw that. I did. Um, so that was cool. Cool stuff there. Um, and yeah, he's going to be back and practicing. I am not very high on Derek King for this year with how much he relies on his legs. It just that, that it, coming back that quick from the knee injury scares me a little bit, but this has to make you feel better that he'll be ready for week. Don't they play Bama week one? Yes. <laughs> so he'll, he'll be ready to just get demolished week one. Maybe they want to <laughs> sit him that game. Play, put, put Van Dyke out there and let him get beat up a little bit and then bring, bring him back week two. <laughs> I mean, I thought, I don't think that would be the worst of ideas. Um, I've been, I've been off of King for a while now. I was when he went down the timing of that injury. Um, it was, was it in the bowl game or was it the game before the bowl game? I can't remember. It was, I thought it was the bowl game, but I, I think it wrong. might be the bowl game, but either way it was late in the year. Um, so he's roughly eight months tops, eight months tops removed from ACL surgery, which is that's, you know, people want to make it, you know, ACLs aren't a big deal anymore. You know, you can get back within, you know, nine months, whatever. But I, I still think that that's a, an aggressive timeline. I think eight months is extremely impressive. But like you said, with how much he uses his legs, I was always going to be kind of out on him this year because that's still an accelerated uh, timeline from when he, even when he tore that. So I think despite all the advances with ACL uh, rehab and surgeries, I I still am. I'm still worried about that. So I'm kind of out on him too, but if you're not, and if you have him, you know, this is obviously good news for you because he got the first reps at, at like right away off the bat. For uh, for Graham Mertz, I don't care about any injury eight months out because I'm right. not expecting this dude to be running all over the field. For De'Ara King, who is already a bit undersized and obviously subjects himself to to more contact as a scrambling quarterback, it just scares me a little bit. Um, I, I I don't have any De'Ara King, and actually my problem with him too is that like because he can do a little bit of everything, but he's not great at like passing that he devalues every other asset on that <laughs> offense, which is it's like another huge kick in the nuts. Um, <laughs> I can't wait for him to be gone to see what, you know, if it's Jake Garcia or whoever, like just someone that's like actually like a good passer and like they're, and not even like uh, he, he's not an awful passer. He's just not NFL quality, but 
he's not the kind of guy that I want dropping back 35 times a game. Nope. Like I, so I want to kind of see what the rest of the ta- that talent and that offense can do uh, with somebody like that. Colin, this next one will make you so happy. I know you've been sitting here just <laughs> waiting for this, and I thought about skipping it, but I'll throw you a bone. Will Rogers getting the first team reps at Mississippi State practice. Just hit me with it. Hit me. I mean, I, I will say that, yes, this is this is a relief, but it's not a victory lap for me yet because I still did expect Rodgers to get these first team reps. Um, now, you know, it's it's notable that he's ahead of Jack Abraham. Um, Jack Abraham hasn't been practicing. Um, I haven't seen exactly why. Um, so that is a bit of a concern. You know, maybe when he comes back, Abraham could start to work in the mix there. But the guy that also worries me the most is a guy that you mentioned when I talked up Will Rogers the first time, and that's Sawyer Robertson. Uh, he was not on campus in the spring. He is on campus now. So, and I think he's the most talented quarterback on that roster um, from an overall standpoint. So while I think Will Rogers likely does start the year, and I do want whoever Mississippi State's quarterback is going to be, I think there's a decent chance that Sawyer Robertson ends the year as the starter. So that's why I've kind of been taking both of them pretty much everywhere. And then I'll take Jack Abraham at the very, very end anyway. So half the time I'm wasting three roster spots on the I was about to State say. TV, <laughs> it sounds but like I want, I want, it's not super pricey because you can get them all fairly late, but I want the quarterback there. And that I'll have two open roster spots that I can drop throughout the year to pick up the hot name of free agent. So that's the way I look at it. But yeah, Will Rogers getting the first reps there. I think he starts the season. So that is definitely a plus for him. You know, I've never thought about it that way that um, if you draft bad players, they're easy. You have easier options to drop later. So thank you, Colin, for this new strategic <laughs> Uh, you know, chess move that I can start employing across all my leagues. I, I'm just saying, if there's a battle that you're like, I want the guy who's going to win this, like a Mississippi State quarterback, it doesn't hurt to take all three. Be, you know, depending on the price tag on it, but these guys aren't prohibitive, so mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. can take these three guys, and then you have easier decisions to drop later. Because there's times where I struggle with, like, man, I want that free agent, but who am I going to drop? Yeah, every player on your bench looks really attractive. They do. Um, yes. There's a reason so, I took them. So this this is this is my new chess move. Thank you, Colin. <laughs> uh, last piece of news before we jump into this week's cram session. Show favorite Tyler Shuck and Henry Columbi are in a QB competition at Texas Tech. And this was not this should not be a surprise. I mean, through spring and stuff, the, the people around that program are saying that that I think there's a legitimate duel to be had there. Um so, uh, like, I don't know if that makes me want Columbia, though, or if it just makes me not want Tyler Shuck. <laughs> Spoiler alert, I have no Tyler Shuck. But if I did, that's the bad player. This is this is where I should have been using that strategy, and then I wouldn't have a hard time dropping them later. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm mildly surprised that it's still a competition because I know it was a competition in the spring, but Columbia was kind of the incumbent there, and Shuck was the guy that they hand picked out of Oregon they went out and got him uh in the transfer portal so I kind of thought that 
he would start to pull away a little bit here as we're like into fall and it, it is early. Um, but yeah, this is definitely a concern for, for any Tyler Shuck believers out there. We call them shuckers on here. Aw shucks. That's what we call them. <laughs> They're the aw shucks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, like I said, I don't think he's like a, a garbage player or whatever, but I thought when he would transfer his levels, not that like, his level was what did what did we talk about? Like he could go, he's from Arizona. We thought like Arizona would be a great place for Tyler Shuck, or a Tulane, or <laughs> something. Not Texas Tech. Not that they have some grand incumbent there, but yeah, I, that that team stinks of avoid 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 for fantasy this year. Outside of maybe. Eric Ezukanma, I think is how you say his last name, who I'm not even sure that I like they've said he's full go, but he had a pretty bad injury in spring. Uh was it shorter or elbow? I think it was elbow. Yeah, yeah. Like I I I don't I don't think I want anybody in that offense. Like I don't think I want Sir Roderick Thompson anymore. I don't think I want the quarterback. I don't think I want him. They have what's his name? Kalon Geiger that transferred over from um Troy. I yeah. don't think like I I don't want anyone in that offense. Just sell everybody. Sell your who's your guy at Texas Tech? My my favorite guy, Loic yeah. Loic Fuan Fuanji. There you go. Fuajni. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. We don't want any of these guys. I don't want any of these guys. Um, do you want anybody there? No, no, I don't. I'm out. Like Thompson's even so limited upside wise well, at this point. Like I know I hyped him a little bit earlier in this offseason, but I don't even know if I want him. I will say there is one guy that I want there. That's Baron Morton. Oh, okay. Turning it around on everybody here. I will. I, I do. I, I do like Baron Morton. Um, I think he takes over that job next year, but I like Baron Morton. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I've been, I actually, he's been falling a lot in drafts. Him and Kyron Jones both have been lately. Yeah. Um, I, and that's I why, myself. that's why I'm back in on Baron Morton. Yeah. Fair. He was fair. going a little too early before, but I like yeah. the range he's falling in now. Yeah, I, I think that's totally fair. All right, guys. So as we've been doing, we are about to have a, a wonderful guest on here tonight uh, to talk a little bit about um, some of their predictions here for the 2021 season. You know him. You love him. Mr. John Lobb. All righty, guys. Cram session number four is here, I believe. And we saved a really good one here for you guys. Okay. We have a very special professor here with you tonight, one of the OGs of the CFF space. He co-hosts the Debbie Seminar podcast at the NFL Draft Bible. You can find his projections and writing over on Fantrax. He is a fantasy analyst at footballdiehards.com. Honestly, we could probably spend the entire segment just talking about all the things that he does, but we got to get this thing going. So the one, the only gridiron scholar, John Lobb here with us tonight. John, thank you so much for giving us some of your time here to talk some CFF. Oh, thank you for having me. And if it wasn't for cram sessions, I might not have graduated from college. I was the master of getting like three people together the night before an exam, like intro to psychology and cramming for the final exam the next day. You you almost miss those those sleepless nights later on. Right? Like, yeah, it's good memories there. Good memories there. Colin, you never did that though, right? Obviously. 
no, no, never, never. No, you were uh, a model student. I've heard. Uh, yep, absolutely, model student. Um, yeah, that's that's exactly how I finished grad school. Spoiler <laughs> alert: I did not finish grad school. <laughs> Spoiler. <laughs> John, so yeah, again, thank you so much for joining us here tonight. The, the season's coming up here. What are you kind of doing in your last few days here to get to get yourself ready? I know you're always ready, but but really, what 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 is your your last few weeks here look like? So right now, I've already started looking at matchups for week zero. So I'm kind of excited, and anyone who follows me knows I have season tickets to UConn. We're going to get waxed by Fresno State, but that's okay. But I do want to see Nebraska. Does Adrian Martinez, does he show anything of being a productive fantasy quarterback? Will they embrace Scott Frost's offense? We need to see that. He's got to turn it around, or I think he's on the hot seat. I don't think he's going to come back for the Cornhuskers. And then Hawaii and UCLA. I can't wait to see that game. So I'm almost done with week zero. And then I move on, believe it or not, I'm going to start looking at week one matchups. Obviously, there's not as much information looking for some lines over unders. That's what I'm doing now. Obviously, if player news erupts, I will tweak my rankings. But as far as my drafts are concerned, my rankings are concerned, I feel really solid about those. Now it's coming into the regular season. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, yes. And you're going to be at the Fantasy Expo, right? Oh, yeah. I can't wait, man. It's what, five days from today? On Saturday morning at 11 o'clock, we are having the first live college fantasy football draft. I am freaking out excited. I can't believe it. I'm in my 50s. I've never been to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I can't wait to go to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And Austin, I think I'm drafting with you on Wednesday night in the CFF Joe's First Pros. Thanks for joining the league. It's the six years of the Joe versus Pros. It's really to get people excited about college fantasy football. Give some people who've never played an opportunity to play with some people who love this game like us. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I, I'm really, really excited. Um, I don't do a lot of pure CFF, so I think yeah, I, I think I, it'll be fun for you. Yes, it'll it'll be a challenge here. I, I am looking forward to uh, to see yeah, I was how just I say. Weren't you uh, ripping me like a week or two ago for the CFF mock that I did live? And you're like, I said, I would... a kudos to you for going live on air, recording <laughs> yourself doing a live mock draft because I would not. I, I my ego is too fragile. I could not. I could not do that. Ours will not be live, Austin, so we've saved you. <laughs> Perfect. That's the Perfect. only reason he signed up. It, it, exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right, John. So just to, for anybody that, that hasn't caught some of these, uh, we are asking all of our guests here three questions. We're asking you one player you think is going to help themselves the most this year, one that will hurt themselves the most, and then your hottest take for the 2021 season. So we'll start off player that helps themselves the most and you you said you have some really good selections here before we hopped on so i am very excited to hear what you say here he's a controversial player there are lots of varying perspectives on this player not only as a college fantasy football player but as an nfl prospect john michi of alabama i do not understand why in the draft slash Debbie community, he's not being spoken highly enough, in my opinion. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm all about systems. And I know Shark left the Texas. I get it. But they brought in Bill O'Brien. And you have Nick Saban at the top. And Nick Saban accepts nothing 
less than excellence. So it's he's not bringing in Bill O'Brien to get another job in the NFL, and that may or may not happen, and maybe Bill O'Brien coaches at another college down the road. He's bringing in Bill O'Brien to implement his offensive system to win football games. Well, what have I done? I have gone back to look at Bill O'Brien. Ladies and gentlemen, if you remember, he had a ter- – I'm going to be nice – a terrible quarterback named Christian Hackenberg. And let me tell you, I was the only guy who had Hackenberg out of the top 10 prospects. You can go look at my profiles on footballdiehards.com. That same year, I had Dak Prescott at number four, Christian Hackenberg at number 11. I could not believe the slander of NFL draft analysts claiming that Christian Hackenberg was an NFL prospect. He was terrible. Why do I bring up this nonsense about Hackenberg? Guess who made him look good, people? Allen Robinson. Look at the numbers. The year that Christian Hackenberg played with Allen Robinson was his only good year in college football. Remember, the Jets plucked that kid in the second round, and you know he's the only, like in the last 30 years, second-round quarterback to never get a snap at the NFL level. The Jets never even put him on the field. This is the Jets. So the idea that he went ahead of Dak Prescott is insulting because we know how good Dak Prescott is. Why do I say that? Bill O'Brien goes to the Houston Texans. Who did he make all-world fantasy superstar? Do I have to remind you of a man named DeAndre Hopkins? What did Bill O'Brien do? Feed his stud. Alabama recruits. Look, we can argue if it's Ohio State, LSU, or Alabama. It's an interesting argument. Who recruits the best wide receivers? All I know In the last two years, Alabama has four receivers in the first round of the NFL draft. Let me repeat that. Four receivers. And you can argue if you like the picks, whatever. The NFL liked them. They might, you know, Henry Ruggs might not make it. But he was a first-round pick. Who steps into that role for the Alabama Crimson Tide? His name is John Mechie. John Mechie is not a perfect prospect. I get it. There's some holes in his game. I've watched his film. But ladies and gentlemen, if you are an NFL scout, an NFL organization, and your $3 million job is on the line, you're taking an Alabama receiver. That People are going to miss on talent and offensive background with, with the Crimson Tide. John Michi, get your shares now, because in six months, he's a first-round pick in the NFL. Well, first of all, the Christian Hackenberg take <laughs> my soul as a Penn State fan. I mean, it was 100% accurate. I had to struggle through watching that for a long he time. Was, dude, he was, dude, he was so bad. So bad. That one, <laughs> that one hurts my soul, but I... A hundred percent agree with you on, on Mechie, at least this year as uh, a producer at Alabama. I think he's going to smash this year. Uh, oh, they, yeah. If there's three freshmen, but that are coming in, they're supposed to be very good, but they're freshmen. They're going to take freshmen. some time. It's, it's John Mechie and Jameson Billingsley. Billingsley. That's it. Yeah. 
Um, I think he's going to have a great year. And then um, jury's still out for me on his NFL prospects. But yeah, I mean, I would, if you put over under on the first round, or, well, obviously you can't go over the first round, but if you put <laughs> the odds on him going in the first round, I would probably take those. If he has 1,300 yards this year, which is in the realm of his outcomes, he's going to go first round. Where do you have him um, with some of the other, you know, obvious and air quotes first round wide receivers this year you know the garrett wilson's the trail on burks where, where would you put him with some of these guys so i have him i love garrett wilson i have garrett wilson above chris olave i have michi over olave I, i'm very much into wilson i'm very much into michi then trail on burks and david bell are my top two wilson and then right now michi okay Okay. So that's I like Michi a lot. He's not perfect, and I agree with Colin. I need to see improvement. I can, but if in Debbie, it's about predicting improvement and draft capital, right? And I'm going to bet on an Alabama product with Bill O'Brien calling the plays. All right, so I I, I like it. Uh, and conversely, then if Mechie helps himself this year, who's going to hurt themselves? Oh, I'm going to go and people are going to say, no way. I'm going Carson Strong of Nevada. Okay. And I like Carson Strong, ladies and gentlemen, but this is in 2001 when Philip Rivers, Eli Manning, and Ben Roethlisberger came out. I get it. Unfortunately for this young man, he was born about two decades too late. His skill set is a mid-90s to about 2012 skill set. And I don't qu- his arm strength is phenomenal. He controls the pocket. There's also another thing people are overlooking. They're missing four offensive linemen. And I like Carson Strong, don't get me wrong. Four off I've seen this pattern. Four offensive linemen are gone with their upperclassman quarterback. He starts to get hit a little bit. I've seen this script play out many a times. Now he's got tons of talent. And they are lucky they're in the Mountain West. So they got a defensively challenged um, schedule. I understand that. But Carson Strong has negative 97 career rushing yards. 97 people. I have seen the evolution of the NFL quarterback position. It's been coming. It's here. If you're not on the train, you're not opening your eyes and you're not paying attention. Eli Manning would probably not be a first-round pick if you took his name out. Let's just take his name out. He would not be a first-round pick in today's NFL. He wouldn't. Phillip Rivers, oh, my God. He could barely – I mean, he could barely run at all. Now, we could argue Roethlisberger was probably the most athletic of the three coming out of Miami of Ohio, and he he definitely could manipulate the pocket, and he understood it from a running – so. Roethlisberger was the best of the three, but he's still predominantly a pocket passer. So Carson Strong has a skill set that's about 20 years out of date. And I like the young man, and I've seen these prospects for years. But let's look at what is happening. I tended to intuitively know this, but my good friend um, Travis May gave me statistics on it when we spoke Look at the first-round picks in the last three years. If you're not mobile, you're probably not getting drafted in the first round. If it was 2001 and Mac Jones won the national title undefeated at Alabama, 
Mac Jones is the number one pick without any question in my entire life. In almost only in the last five years, would Mac Jones not be the top pick in the NFL draft? National champion. The statistics are out of control. The production is incredible. Trey Lance got drafted ahead of him. Let me repeat that. Trey Lance, who did not play a down last year. Sorry, he played one game against, I apologize. Played one game. at the F- And then he's only played 17 games at the FCS level. Got drafted ahead of the national champion, undefeated Crimson Tide. The NFL is changing, ladies and gentlemen. The prospects, you've got to have an ability to avoid the pass rush. You've got to be able to manipulate the pocket and gain a first down with your legs. Last three years, Trevor Lawrence, very mobile. Zach Wilson, mobile. Trey Lance, we just spoke about him. Justin Fields, incredibly. What do all four of those have in common? Year before, Joe Burrow is mobile. Now we'll see what happens with the knee, mm-hmm. but we'll see what happens moving forward. Tua Tagovailoa was mobile, not, not in the elite, but he was clearly much more mobile than Carson Strong. Justin Herbert, incredibly mobile, underrated athlete, very, very good athlete coming out. Kyler Murray, Daniel Jones. What are they? The only guy who failed is Dwayne Haskins, and he's a god darn statue in the pocket. Now we can talk about if he's studying. I don't know. I'm not part of the Washington offensive meetings and all that. And he made a dumb mistake. I get that. But the, at the end of the day, Dwayne Dwayne Haskins is a statue. Carson Strong has the most to, to lose. What's he going to get? Fifty yards rushing? Is he going to get a hundred yards rushing? So he ends ninety-seven. He ends up with zero career rushing yards. People are treating him like he's a no-brainer NFL first round. And I love the arm strength. I like it. I get it. But ladies and gentlemen, you've got to have mobility. Carson Strong is a second round pick, maybe a third if Nevada falls apart. I was just having this conversation with somebody the other day in the Discord. I completely agree. I I think he's a safe prospect. He's going to get drafted. Yeah. You know, he'll he'll earn a backup role. He'll stick around on a roster, but there's no ceiling there. You know. No, like not from a fan. Yeah, from a fantasy. He's never going to get 400 yards rushing. I mean, Zach Wilson and we can debate if he was everyone's number 2 and that's a good debate and you can argue about his schedule. But Zach Wilson has a ceiling. He can score six rushing touchdowns and get you 350 yards rushing on the ground, which if you throw in 30 touchdowns, fantasy gold. Carson Strong can't do that, folks. He's not going to get 350 yards rushing. He's not. I mean, what's, remember Eli would stumble into the end zone once every four years? And I, I'd be like, yeah, Eli scored a rushing touchdown. Right? You were so happy. Every three years, I got one touchdown from Eli. You know? Yeah. Is, so it, I, is this har- is this hearkening you back to your Josh Rosen days? Oh, oh but look at man, he was pro- <laughs> so he's definitely up there in my biggest misses of all Same. time. I mean, but he, but you know what? We learn by being wrong, and I was wrong, and you know what? That's okay. But I've learned not to make the same mistake twice, or at least I hope 
I don't. And this isn't a look at the NFL doesn't get it perfect. You know, we're trying to do as best analysis analysis as we can. And yes, Josh Roshan, just what a whip on him. Yeah, I think that was really a turning point for me too, because I was so high on Rosen. And oh, yeah. after that, I was like, you know what? It just you gotta have that mobility nowadays. So that was kind of a big turning point for me. So huge miss for Rosen on me, but like you said, it's something you gotta learn from. Yes, you have to learn from. I mean, you know what it is? I tell my son, he's um 17. The linebackers and safeties are so fast nowadays. You have to be able to escape them in the pass rush. And if you can't, you're just not going to last long in the NFL. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so last question here. I mean, you brought two great takes to start it out. Let's wrap it up here. Boldest take you got for this season. I can't go power five. It's just against my constitution. I'm going into the group of five, baby. If you're playing college NFL, if you're a draft scout, you got to watch all 130 teams. Know them. Telling you right now, my bold prediction, and I'm going to prove it with evidence because I'm a teacher and that's what I do. <laughs> the Cincinnati Bearcats are going to earn the first ever CFP playoff invite, and they are going to deserve it by going undefeated. They were 9-1 last year under Coach Luke Fickle. Over his last three seasons, Fickle is 31-6 and at Cincinnati. I mean, you talk about a turnaround. They're going to be great. They lost in the Chick-fil-A Bowl, and I saw every down against Georgia. They gave Georgia everything they could handle. I think they were up 20-6 to six at one point. Georgia wins on a 53-yard field goal. You're like, come on. Kid ain't going to hit a 53-yarder. He hits a 53-yarder, you know, to win the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. So Fickle has all of the motivation. I mean, I guess I'm a little bit of a narrative guy. You've got to be able to motivate young athletes, and you just put a big picture of that 53-yard field goal, and you talk about it every day. You get these beer cats excited. But looking at the schedule, a couple things here. When you go into the conference, Memphis is down. I They're still going to be all right, but they're down. They lose Brady White. Brady White was good, ladies and gentlemen. They had NFL players. We've seen them. Tony Pollard, Daryl Henderson. Right? There's NFL players, um, Anthony Miller, on that roster. They're down right now. So that's a benefit. UCF, massive changes with Gus Malzone. We don't know. I don't know. Is Gus Malzone good? I mean, he won it with Cam Noon after that. We don't know, right? So how, how are the Knights going to play? Houston. They have, Holgerson has not turned around that Houston Cougars program. There is no question in my mind. Excuse me. Cincinnati is by far the best team in that conference. They should run the table. They should go undefeated. So then you have to look outside. It's only two games of concern. Indiana. I'm not really that concerned. Look, they're not the top of the Big Ten. Let's be fair. And I like some of the players on Indiana. But Cincinnati can go and compete with Indiana as far as talent. They can win that game. I'm not really worried. I do think Cincinnati will be favored in that game. Their big game, their big game, that's going to get them into the playoffs. And you know, I see Austin shaking his head. He knows exactly what I'm talking about. So is Colin. It's Notre Dame. And I'm telling you right here, right now, Cincinnati goes into Notre Dame on October 2nd and upsets the Fighting Irish. This is the year to do it. A young quarterback, turnover on the offensive line, 
Fickle is a very good coach. He can win that football game. Cincinnati wins that game and goes undefeated. They're going to get in. Desmond Ritter, three-year starter, over 6,900 yards passing, 1,800 yards rushing. Jerome Ford, this is a big year for Ford, coming over from Alabama. So Cincinnati can run the football and they can throw the football. They don't have great wide receivers. Josh White, the tight end, we'll see if he lives up to expectations. But it's their defense, folks. I've watched Cincinnati play defense the last two years. These guys are fast. They're mean. They hit. And more importantly, they tackle. Trust me, nothing gets me more upset than a team that does not wrap and bring someone down. The Bearcats wrap and hit. They wrap and hit and they bring people down. They were eighth in the nation last year, only averaging 16.8 points per game. This isn't in a spread era playing against UCF, Memphis, Houston, who easily put up 30 points a game. Cincinnati can attack the quarterback with Mijah Sanders and Darian Beavers, the linebacker. So they got a defensive end and a linebacker, and their secondary is incredible under Fickle. The Bearcats earn a playoff invite. Man, I want to give you a standing O right now. I love that. Um, I have I placed back. It was back in May. I placed a uh, a bet on Cincinnati to make the uh, the playoff, and I put it on Ritter to win the Heisman too. Just as kind of like if they're good enough to win, to get in the playoffs, oh. you know, maybe. But oh, what was talk- the odds? It must have been huge with Ritter, oh, yeah. right? It was yeah. It was like plus ten thousand, I think. Oh, that's a no brainer, dude. Yeah. Yeah, and Cincinnati in the playoffs, too, very close. It was plus 10,000-ish as well, right around there. Uh, but you also wanted to talk narrative, too. Cincinnati's D.C., their defensive coordinator, just jumped ship, went over to Notre Dame. Yeah, You don't think they have that game circled on their schedule? No, they are. guys are pissed. Oh, they're going to hit some Notre Dame guys. Look, that's going to be – that. I'm old school. That is going to be a snot-nosed game. Someone's no, – they're going to be shooting out mucus out of their nose when some of those wide receivers get hit. Because Notre Dame's loaded in the secondary, and so is Cincinnati. And here's the thing. Both quarterbacks better bring their A game. If it's Tyler Buckner or Jack Crone and Ritter, they're going to get hit by both teams' linebackers. It's going to be a good game, dudes. I'm excited for that one. Uh, that game feels like it should be in the snow. <laughs> It'd be perfect, like right? That- that, oh that my feels God. like one of those games. Unfortunately, we're getting it too early there. I don't think we'll have that. But, yeah, <laughs> You're right. Yeah. Probably awesome. Awesome. So again, John, thank you so much for coming on, for giving us some of your thoughts on this season. Any final words for the people before we say play, play college fantasy football. And what you guys are doing to promote is awesome. I know you guys are campus to Canton, right? That's huge. And I love it too. But it's also promoting the college fantasy football game. You, It's awesome that you guys have a whole site dedicated to it. I love it. Keep promoting this hobby. It can grow. You know, I think we were growing before the pandemic, and now I see us. You know, we're getting – this summer I've been much more active. I see more people involved. Last year was difficult, obviously, but keep continuing it. This is a great game. We just got to expose more people to it. I will second that. So, and we <laughs> obviously, as one of the people that you know really has kicked off a lot of these things, uh, we obviously 
owe a lot to you and look a lot to you as well. So again, thank you uh, for coming on here, John. Um, if you are looking uh, to find any of John's content, again, uh, Debbie Seminar Podcast, NFL Draft Bible, Fan Tracks, Football Diehards, or you can follow him on Twitter at Gridiron Skull 91 and it's S-C-H-O-L. All right. So, John, thanks again for coming on tonight. Enjoy this season. We'll see you at the Expo this weekend. We'll see you at the Absolutely, Expo. Absolutely, my friends. I can't wait. Uh, heck yes. All right. Thanks. Thanks again, John. You're welcome. All right. I'm not going to lie. I'm about ready to run through a brick wall. Right. After that conversation. Right. Head first. I don't know. I know. I my Kelsey makes me wear a helmet when I go out because I bump my head. I'm not even going to put the helmet on. I'm just going to run through that wall right now. Yeah, I mean, he he brought the energy tonight. I was I was amped the whole time, and then his the way he closed it out with that Cincy take, man. I I'm a hundred percent on board with that. Uh, that was that was great. That was fantastic. How much money did you put on those two? If you don't mind me asking. Oh, dude, it was like five bucks each. Okay. I mean, I didn't expect you to say a thousand or anything. No, I was curious how much you. Yeah, I put like five bucks each on them, and it's. I think Ritter to win the Heisman would win me three hundred dollars, and Cincy to make the or Cincy to win the national title gets me five hundred dollars, because you can't. I I I couldn't find like make the playoff odds, Um, so I had to pick him to win the national title. That's like three hundred dollars, and then Ritter to win the Heisman I think is like two fifty. So you said it was five hundred. Which is it? Five hundred total. Oh, uh, okay. 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 I see. Five fifty technically total, but gotcha. Yeah. Roundabout. Worst bets have been had. Yeah. I play a parlay every Saturday and every Sunday. And I can tell you worst, <laughs> I love it. worst bets have been made. <laughs> yeah, I love it. We 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 uh we were doing that all last year, those eight player parlays. Who was uh, yeah, someone got really close. Like Evan. it came down to like Sunday night. Yeah, your brother. Um yeah. for anyone's gonna be at the expo <laughs> this weekend. Um both Decker brothers will be making an appearance. But yes, that, that, that's just like my stupid. I put like two dollars down on a on a bet every weekend. Um, so yeah, that's fun. Um, yeah. All it takes is one. All it takes yeah. is one. Yeah, exactly. And they're not informed informed decisions at all. No, like that are literally like, oh yeah, Ceh is going to score this weekend. Yeah, and yeah. so is uh, you know, yeah, Lamar Jackson will have a rushing touchdown. Yeah, like I, that's that's what I do. I don't. Yeah, there's, there's nothing intelligent behind yeah. any of the selections. Besides yeah. the fact that I've watched football before. And even then, some people question that on Twitter. So, um. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. So, this is going to be a long episode. I apologize. It but is. there's just so much going on. I mean, you guys, you guys are lucky we're not talking for four hours with all the stuff that's going on at this point in the year. AAC is here, the American Athletic Conference. Um, we're going to break that down for you here tonight. And there are a lot of players there. You know, I mm-hmm. we did the MAC a couple weeks ago, and the MAC has a lot of guys. The AAC has more. Um, so uh, let's dive in here right away. As you guys know, we've kind of been breaking it up into categories. We have our must-haves. We have our maybe relevance. And then we have our stashes. And then we'll kind of go through maybe a guy or two we're avoiding at ADP at the end of all this. Um, so I have some must-have quarterbacks here. I have one, two, three, four um, that should definitely you're going to want on your rosters for this year. Uh, leading off the pack is Desmond Ritter at Cincinnati, uh, who you know we did, we just talked a, lot, a little bit about there with John uh, QB nine last year on a per game basis, twenty nine point five fantasy points per game. Uh, really bounced back from a, a little bit of an injury riddled sophomore year there completed 66% of his passes about 2300 yards 19 touchdowns six interceptions 
And he's got that Konami code. He added another 600 yards on the ground with 12 touchdowns. The guy is going to score you points. The only knock on him is an ADP of 71 for a guy that may or may not ever amount to much in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, I think that he's definitely an intriguing option as far as the uh, as far as the NFL side of things go. I mean, he kind of has that mobile skill set that we were talking about with John there, where the NFL is is heading in that direction. Um, so I could see him, um, you know, potentially getting some decent draft capital there, especially based on how uh, the the season goes here, but. I think that for a college fantasy purpose, um, QB nine might not be completely repeatable just because of those 12 rushing touchdowns that he had. But, you know, I think he's definitely going to be a, a startable QB option. He's going to be probably a low end QB one, high end QB two for you. Um, you know, not necessarily what you want at ADP of 71 overall, but you know, I still think that the potential NFL future there, um, you know, I think there's worse picks you can make. Although this was your guy who was going to hurt himself this year, correct? I believe it was, yes. Yeah, I mean, I I think QB9 finishes is very much within his range of outcomes. It wouldn't shock me if he finishes like QB6 or something like that. Because it, what, what he has working for him for a fantasy perspective is that their receiving options aren't very good. You know, if they had a bunch of really good receivers there, I could see them... He, I could see them limiting his rushing touchdowns, which I think, like you said, you know, those 12 rushing touchdowns may not be repeatable. I think they are simply because he's not going to throw for 30, you know, that 19, 20, like he threw last year, he threw 19 and 10 games. So, you know, two a game, that's probably as much as he's going to do in that regard. I, I can't imagine him improving upon that this year. I, I really, really can't. So I, I think it's it's a fair outcome for him. I just don't I don't see an NFL quarterback when I watch him. I just don't, I, I don't see it. Yeah, I don't necessarily either. I definitely have some question marks on him. But like I said, with he he's kind of got the skill set that the NFL is looking for nowadays. And the the QB class next year is not is not shaping up to be a particularly good one. So it would not surprise me if he got late round one capital. I think the more likely scenario is he goes the route of like a Kellen Mond and gets like, you know, some day two capital. So but, the, N the NFL every, oh, go ahead, Colin. Go ahead. I was just say, but it, it, I would not be shocked if he's got end of the round one capital. The NFL, like every five to seven years, like they all come to a realization, like, Oh wait, we don't have to take a quarterback in the first round. <laughs> and then you'll have a year where one or two guys go. I really think this year could be one of those years, but I will say, and maybe, you know, this is hindsight speaking a little bit, but I think, you know, like I, I think of the EJ manual class, mm. I don't think anybody had a quarterback in that class that they think of, like they think of Sam Howler, Spencer Rattler. Like I do think right. at minimum, the, the top of this class is above where those classes are. And for that phenomenon to happen, maybe you have to have the best guy be Desmond Ritter. You know, for that to happen, if this Desmond Ritter was the best quarterback in the class, yeah, okay, and then maybe one guy goes. I, I I don't know if that's the case or not. It I haven't been doing this long enough to have fresh recollections of the 
zeitgeist opinion <laughs> on EJ Manuel. But I don't remember it being like, I, I don't remember everyone saying like, oh, he's a slam dunk, you know, 101 kind of guy. Yeah. No, I, I, I think that that's, I think one of those years is coming. I think you're right. Because we just had, uh, what was it? The Josh Allen year, uh, Baker, Allen, those guys. It was what, five that went in that first round too. Um, and then after that, there was three. And then there were what, five this year too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, there were th- three in the Kyler Murray year. And then the Joe Burrow year, there was also three. Or four. Well, you know, four. Jordan you know- Love. You know what's going to help them is that the Browns and the Jets both have a guy right now that they're not going to move on from. True. So at least two franchises won't you know won't have that opportunity to make an awful decision. That's a fair. Uh, point. The Giants will be in the in the running for it. So Austin's but, favorite team. Yes, I hate them more and more every day. <laughs> <laughs> they come a long way since being my heroes of uh, slaying mighty Tom Brady. Uh, all right, so some of the other must-have quarterbacks in this class: Grant Gunnell. Matthew Bruning special. He is uh, last year. So I, I'm not going to talk about his stats last year. I think his last year was basically meaningless. That Arizona team was literally like the, the grunt guy in whatever movie that just is there to get beat up by like the main character or like shot at in a a firefight, like, and just die immediately. That was Arizona last year. They had nothing on that team going for them at all. That was a lose lose. I mean, I watched that Arizona State game on TV as it was Yikes. unfolding, and I I have not seen a team put that much of a whooping on another Power Five program in years. It it was thirty five nothing in like <laughs> twelve minutes into it or whatever, and it was a deserved thirty five nothing. I mean, so I, I'm not putting any stock into what he did last year. His ADP is one fifty eight, which is way too high for me. Like I. He, I'm not even thinking about him until 100 picks after that. And by then, I'm like, oh, holy shit, Grant Gannett went already. <laughs> so do you feel the same way about him? Yeah, his ADP is a little out of control. Um, I mean, I think I think he's I think he has some some NFL potential there. Um, you know, I, it's not. Man, I uh, I don't know. I, I struggle with the, the NFL evaluation there on him. I think maybe, but at the same time, though, uh, f- from a college perspective, I do think he's going to put up nice numbers at Memphis this year. Um, you know, I think he's going to have a very solid year. I mean, Brady White had a, had very nice fantasy years there for them. So, you know, I think that he's, he's at worst going to be a college producer for you. And he has better NFL potential than some of the other college producers. So I have him ranked as my QB 42. Um, So, you know, I have him just behind Preston Hutchinson because I think Preston Hutchinson is going to smash in college. I don't think he has any NFL future probably, but you know, I, yeah, I have him just ahead of Derek King. So he's in that kind of a range for me. So it Brady White last year in 11 games completed 61% of his passes for 3,400 yards, 31 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. Brady White was also about 38 years old. Um, <laughs> so he definitely had a little bit of an advantage there. Um, 158 is just way too rich for me. And I, I'm Mr. Zero QB. Like I'm not really taking quarterbacks in that range. Um, but, but if I was, 
it wouldn't be him either. Um, next up, Michael Pratt from Tulane. Probably a little bit of a surprise that we'd put him in the must-haves. Um, but last year, QB 37 on a point-per-game basis, 22.3 points per game. Uh, completion percentage was very poor, 55%, uh, 20 touchdowns, 8 interceptions. Okay rushing floor with about 230 yards rushing and 8 touchdowns. Um he needs to develop a lot more as a passer, but you know, Felix talking, he has the tools. He's going to be Felix's new Michael Penix, a guy that's, <laughs> I don't mean that in like a negative way. No, I know. It's I a know. guy that, you know, has like severe mechanical issues, but does like all these other little things. And you're like, man, if he could just put it together and they just never put it together. So that's probably going to be Pratt over the next couple of years. But the nice thing about him is you get three years, probably a production out of him, which is why I think he, gets boosted a little bit in my eyes. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, he definitely gets a little bit of a boost for the, the three years of production you probably get for him. And, um, you know, I think he's, he's going to improve upon that, um, that QB 37 finish, I think, um, uh, you know, and he brings, brings a little bit with his legs too. you know, 229 yards rushing last year, eight rushing touchdowns. And maybe he doesn't get those eight rushing touchdowns again. That, you know, might be a little bit high, but he brings some solid rushing ability there as well. Um, I, I like him. Um, I have him ranked QB 56 just behind show punching bag Tyler Shuck. <laughs> what a what a range for him to fall in. there. And I, honestly, I should probably put Shuck lower. Um, I got just I got swept up a little bit in people talking about him as an NFL prospect. And I was like, well, maybe. But no, I. Uh, no, I need to move shut down. Trust, trust your eyes. Yeah. Sensei. Wax on, wax off. Yeah. I mean, there were a couple places that I saw hyping him up as a round one guy. Um, so I was like, uh, it, it made me second guess it a little bit, but yeah, no, I need to move him back down. Yeah. Um, last quarterback here in the must haves category, Dylan Gabriel from central Florida. Another guy whose ADP is just, stupid 121.5 no 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 and it's actually fallen he was going earlier in the offseason i think people have finally realized that a he doesn't have an nfl arm sorry colin i know you like him so we'll give you a rebuttal <laughs> um get, and the gus miles on factor you know it has we just talked about with john you know anybody no anybody could have won a national championship with cam newton at quarterback like but after that he's really had no success I'm not really sure that Gabriel's the kind of guy that he's going to mesh well with. Um, but he scored almost 30 fantasy points per game last year. And I think even if Malzahn, you know, cripples him a little bit, 24, 25 is probably still a possibility. I think that still makes him startable or, you know, a bi-week fill. You know, he, he'll play at least a couple of games for you this year. Yeah. And I, the Gus Malzahn hiring definitely hurt Gabriel's stock in my eyes. I dropped him fairly significantly. Um, he's down to my QB 20 right now. Um, and I have him lumped in right with that, like group of freshmen. Like I have him with Jackson Dart, Ty Thompson, Sam Hewer, Dylan Gabriel, JJ McCarthy, Drake may. So, so where I, do you have him in relation to those guys? You say he's in that tier. I would take all those guys in a heartbeat over him. Well, I, I, so I have dart ahead of him, Thompson ahead of him, Heward ahead of him. I have him ahead of McCarthy and may. Um, okay. I still think that there is a, NFL potential there, but 
man, I, I don't think he's going to look good this year with Malzahn. Like you said, he's just not the type of quarterback that meshes with his system. Now, I'm hoping Malzahn is smart enough to realize he does not have the guys to run his system. He's going to have to throw the ball a little bit more. He's going to have to trust Dylan Gabriel's arm and Jalen Robinson on the outside because the running back stable that they have is not very good at UCF. And, you know, I think I'm hoping that he does that. And, and if he does, you know, maybe Dylan Gabriel salvages some of his stock this year and gets out. Um, I, I could see him being a round two quarterback um, just based on everything he's done pre-Malzahn. But yeah, I his his ability as a college producer to be a top five fantasy quarterback, um, or you know he was eight on a points per game basis last year. I think that's out the window. I think you're you're right. Probably like closer to like the QB twenty five range is more likely. So he's gonna be you know startable for you. But that ADP at one twenty five is just that's that's too much. Yeah, that that's an ouchie. It's one of the worst ADPs I think. Um, in the whole database there we have it's a very pass happy conference we only have two running backs in our must-haves column i'll hit on them both here and then we can kind of discuss them together jerome ford at cincinnati who is one of my favorite players um, uh, to get my hands on this season um adp of 69 nice nice yeah um, last year on a per game basis, RB 31, but he was split in touches with, uh, Jared Dokes, who's now in the NFL and Dokes was RB 53. Um, assuming the Ford absorbs most of the production there, that's looking like a pretty enticing, uh, spot for him. Um, he blew up that, that Georgia bowl game. I think that's just a sign of things to come. The other guy that we have that's a must have in this conference is Ulysses Bentley, the fourth, who's at SMU ADP of 153. Uh, last year on a per game basis, RB 28, 19.1 fantasy points per game. Um, he can do a little bit of everything. You know, he, he rushed for about 900 yards, 11 touchdowns, and then caught 21 passes as well. So he, he's versatile, if not a little bit undersized. Um, but I, I'm, I like both of the ADPs for those guys. I have a fair amount of both of them. Yeah. I like Jerome Ford. Um, I mean, you're kind of, you're kind of driving the Jerome Ford bandwagon for sure. Um, he is definitely your guy. You know, uh, I think he's, I don't hear anybody talk him up as much as I hear you talk him up. Um, I, but I think that's with good reason though. Uh, you know, he and Doak split carries last year, but I don't see anybody else on that depth chart that's going to get a split of carries kind of like they had last year with like Dokes getting 144 Jerome Ford getting 73. So I think he could be a 200 touchback. Um, you know, I want to see a little bit more out of the receiving game from him, but I, he's a guy that I like. I think he's a guy that has NFL potential and in a class that, you know, it's, we've been saying it for a while, but it's the top two guys and then kind of a, a mosh of other guys it wouldn't surprise me if he separated himself a little bit there. So, you know, a, a late fifth round ADP. Yeah. I, I, I don't hate that at all. I've ended up with him in one or two places. Yeah. I, I feel exactly the same. Uh, I think we can move on here. Um, Cause the wide receiver list is, is, hef long. is well, hefty. I'll, I'll hit on Bentley quick too. I don't know yeah, how much NFL potential he has um, just given his size, but 
I, I think that uh, he's going to be a, a slam dunk in college here this year. So he, he um, similar to how I feel about Kyron Williams and I, Kyron Williams is the better athlete of the two, right. but they're both a little smaller and they both, and here I'll use the word. They both play with elite pad level. <laughs> they will get lower than the low and they can just kind of have a way of just kind of fighting off contact um, with the way they're able to do that. It's a, it's a special skill. And I guess, you know, if you're five, eight, five, nine, you probably should be able to win the, the, the low man battle, but um, they both do to great effect. And he does have good receiving ability too. Yeah. Yeah, he does. Um, I, I think he could definitely be a day three guy in the NFL. Yeah. Um, a lot of wide receivers here, and I guess we can kind of I there I just kind of have them group by offense with how I was going through them. So the first two guys are the ECU East Carolina combo, uh, Tyler Sneed and CJ Johnson. Um, Johnson forgotten a little bit. He had that great freshman year, uh, led the team in, in receiving 54 catches, 908 yards, four touchdowns. He's a big guy, like he, he he's a bully. And I, he wasn't a great separator, but I think the tools were there. And I thought, you know, if he he lost some of the bad weight, he, he could uh, improve. He did not do that last year, but that whole team, you know, Allers missed some time. It was not a great situation. And then to Sneed, ADP at 337, he is forgotten about. Why does he were 49, 15 points per game? I think he could very easily be a startable receiver um, this year. Uh, I, th- I expect that offense to get back close to what it was. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that offense is is definitely we. It was one of the ones that we broke down, and I think it's an offense that's going under the radar because people are looking at last year, um, you know, and they don't necessarily always look back at the year before that because I think this is an offense that's going to get back to being very productive. Um, Tyler Snead is very small, um, five seven. 169 170 not really an nfl future there but he's a killer out of the slot um you know i think that holton allers seems to really like him so i think that yeah at at an adp of 337.5 that's yeah absolutely take him there because you know he's gonna be productive for you at least and that's kind of the range where you're looking for some college producers and then you get into cj johnson um cj johnson I like CJ Johnson um, for sure. You know, he was a not not a super highly uh, rated recruit coming out, three star guy, which for East Carolina is fine. But that size is you know six two two twenty nine. Like you said, he needed to lose some of that bad weight, um, and I think that if he can do that and he can get back to his freshman year, um, he's a, he's of great value. I think where he is now, I have him in a couple places. I um I have him in a couple spots. I'm no longer I'm no longer I think the best he can do is a third round guy. Probably. Not that that's bad, but you're really starting to flirt with that line where you're the odds of you having a productive NFL career are significantly slimmer. And if he's not going to be the wide receiver one on that team this year, is the ADP of 157 smart? Felix likes when I say that. Smart. <laughs> he's got his he's got his bingo card out, and that's one of the thing. Austin says smart. <laughs> uh, I'll be interested. I, I don't I don't know what would be on my bingo card there. We're moving in or moving on. That We're would be one. On. 
That, that okay. Yeah, I do like say that one. When I when I host. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you're driving tonight, so I, I won't. I, I don't think we'll hit that one here tonight, unless I. I don't think I said it yet, but um, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> moving on. <laughs> anyway, we're moving on. Um, <laughs> well, we're on to Cincinnati. We're on to Cincinnati. <laughs> um, I I think that he is the type of guy that, like you said, I, I could see him getting day two, or yeah, like day two capital. And at his size, if he does lose some of that bad weight, I don't even really care that much if he's not the number one guy in that G5 offense, just based on how they run it. It doesn't look great, but I I think if he, he definitely has more NFL potential than a lot of other G5 receivers. So I don't hate that ADP. Well, we'll we will agree to disagree there. Um, all right, moving on to Nathaniel Dell. I said it. Oh. <laughs> Wasn't calling. Doesn't count. The judges say no score. Um, we'll get Nathaniel- mocks on. <laughs> Where is he when you need him? We just need like a Moxley, kind of like the bat, the bat player. There. <laughs> well, that's Moxley. Um, Nathaniel Dell from Houston. I, I have here as a must-have. 29 catches, 428 yards, three touchdowns last year. And that makes you say, Austin, but why would I have him as a must have? Well, if you look at the Dana Holgerson offenses here over the past decade, you know, since he started at West Virginia there in 2011 or whatever, last couple years in Houston um, uh, with Marquez Stevenson, you know, 52 catches, 907 yards, nine touchdowns. The year before that, 75, 10, 19, and nine. I pulled up a bunch of the West Virginia years before he left there. Um, you know, their David leading receiver, Sills. David Sill, 65, 986, and 15. In 2017, of course, these all went back to the top of the page. It was Gary Jennings, 97, 1096, and 12. 2016 was a down year, if I remember correctly. Their top receiver only had 63, 894, and 5. Year before that, in 2015, I believe that was the Kevin White year. Oh, no, that Ooh. was the bad year. That was the bad wow. year. They did, they really didn't have much going on that year. Uh, but the year before that was Kevin White. And Kevin White, who was his no-name Juco kid, um, put up uh, 109, 14, 47, and 10. I mean, the wide receiver one on that offense always does well. And I think Dell uh, can certainly be the next guy uh, to do that. I think the floor is that 52, 907, and 9. And I would not be shocked if it's, you know, that closer to like 75, 1100 and, and eight to 10 touchdowns. That's, that's just what that offense does. Um, ADP at 385. He's free. I have so much Nathaniel Dell. I feel like I need to, like the farmer in the Dell. I just have so many, <laughs> so many Nathaniel Dells. Um, you, are you, do you have Dell anywhere? Um, yeah, I think I have him in like one or two places there. Um, yeah, I, I like you said, the, the wide receiver that you want, you want a wide receiver one in Dana Holgerson's offense. Every all signs are pointing to it being him. And an ADP of 385, I mean, yeah, you know, go get go get Nathaniel Dell because he's going to be a wide receiver one this year for you. Um, or very worst high end wide receiver two on the college side. And he's only a sophomore. Yeah, his so. ADP is like similar to Sneed's there. And I would I would trade 12 Sneeds for one Dell. <laughs> so it's like Stanley Nichols to Shrewd Bunch. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the conversion. Um, 
Next on the list is Calvin Austin, the third, who's at Memphis, ADP of 147 last year on a per game basis, 19 points per game. And he was wide receiver 19, uh, 63 catches, 1,053 yards, 11 touchdowns. I think he's going to do even better this year because there's no Taj Washington playing uh, uh, Robin to his Batman. They have a lot of unproven guys there. You know, you have your Rock Taylors, your Shamar Nashes, um, uh, some of those guys, but no one that's a proven commodity. Um, I, I think that they just – he gets a ton of targets, and I, I think he's a wide receiver one this year pretty easily if he plays uh, every game. Yeah, completely agree with that. I, I think he's going to smash this year without Taj Washington. Um you know, I don't think Rankin L is that big of a step down from Brady White in terms of a passer. So, you know, I think that they're going to need to throw the ball a little bit more. They also don't have that uh, quintessential running back that they've had the past couple of years. They don't have that guy that they can kind of lean on and that they're just going to force feed touches to or even like two guys like they have like they've done in the past. They just don't have those guys this year. They what? Um, what's it? Rodriguez Clark. Yeah, um, a couple awesome, of bodies. Awesome, Martin, JP Martin, the freshman they can't bring in. He's kind of intriguing, but uh, I mean, overall, like this is an offense that I think is going to run through Calvin Austin the third. Um, in CFF drafts, he goes super early, mm -hmm. so that just tells you kind of what the the CFF community thinks of his potential this year. So, yeah, I think he's I think he's a smash. The bigger question for him is his NFL future, right? At Which five I, at five nine one sixty two, he's a really good athlete. I don't want to count him out because we just saw Tutu Atwell <laughs> go day two, but I, I think he's draftable. I yeah. and he's a really good athlete. You know, he's done a bunch of track stuff when he's been at Memphis. Um, I think like four, but he does a lot of relays. I think like four by four, four by one. Uh, he's a fast dude. I just don't. He's like a sixth wide receiver on a roster that you know does some some special team stuff and maybe you throw in there for some gadgety stuff like four times a year. I'm not sure he's ever a fantasy relevant guy in the NFL, but for college, yeah, yeah, yeah that's the thing too. I mean, like you said, you don't ever really want to count it out because we just saw Tutu Atwell go. But at the same time, I'm not taking him necessarily for his NFL future. I think that there is potential there outside shot so that's what makes him palatable at that adp but also at the same time like i said i think he's gonna smash in college and he's gonna be a senior this year but they also get the extra covid year he's the type of guy that i could see taking it was um was that your word of the day on your word of the day calendar what smash palatable palatable yeah I think, I don't know, palatable and prohibitive have been like the past two weeks. So, yeah. I like yeah. it. I like I, it. I like, a, I like a word of the day calendar. Man. It keeps, <laughs> me, keeps me fresh, keeps that vocab going. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, SMU has a couple of guys that I think are very interesting. We still, it's looking more and more like it's going to be Tander Mordecai as their quarterback. Um, but I didn't quite put him in the must haves just because I don't think we exactly know um but but no matter who the quarterback is if it's if it's mordecai or if it's preston stone um we like rasheed rice and danny gray i know um uh, what's his name alfred prefers rice i prefer gray um, but they both should do well this year along with reggie roberson um who 
was wide receiver 26 last year. And I like Reggie Roberson a lot, but I'm totally just not interested in him at all anymore because he's old as dirt and he's had two big injuries. And it's just, I think that dream is over. So I've moved on to his teammates there, Rice and Gray. Um, ADP 320 for Rice, 400 for Gray. They're basically free. They're both, you know, a kind of, transfer in type guys or whatever. Danny Gray was a Juco guy, but they're both just fast, 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 fast. And I think they're going to be dangerous weapons this year um, as that offense looks to maybe move on a little bit from, from Roberson uh, who showed that he can't necessarily be counted on all the time. Yeah. It's, it's sad with Roberson because I mean, he was looking like he was going to be a, a good potential NFL wide receiver. Um, And you know, just kind of can't seem to stay healthy. I think he's going to be a factor there this year. Um, oh yeah, he'll 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 be a top thirty wide receiver fantasy. Yeah, which is is what concerns me a little bit about Rice and Gray. I think it's going to be an offense that really spreads the ball around um, in, in the receiving game because they have Roberson, Rice, Gray, Calcaterra at tight end, um, who we'll touch on in a little bit. Uh, we already talked about Ulysses Bentley being a good receiver as well. So I think all of those guys get their touches spread out enough where it's going to be hard for me to figure out which one I would want to start on a weekly basis. So that's what makes it tough for me. Um, and I'll be honest, I just noticed you didn't put Tanner Mordecai on this sheet at all, which I yeah. think is egregious. I forgot. Um, yeah. <laughs> Which is funny because I've actually been drafting a lot of Tanner Mordecai over the past. I have six a, weeks, maybe. Yeah, I have a lot of Tanner Mordecai. Um, I thought I, I, I thought it was more intentional, but I think it's you intentionally didn't put him in the must-haves. I'm guessing you probably plan to put him in the maybe relevance. I did. Only yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which we'll get to in a little bit. But you guys just kept making me work on vacation, man. Uh, Write this show guys- sheet. Write these articles. You keep saying you guys. I, I who uh, who was putting the gun to your head there? I, I feel like this is the this is the Tropic Thunder scene. <laughs> what do you mean, you guys? What do you mean, you guys? That's what I feel uh, like's happening here. Um, no, I, I mean I do appreciate you coming up with the show sheet there, but um, but you know while you're on vacation, I was I was at a wedding this weekend as well. So cigar bar, I saw that. Yes. How many yeah. mullets were there this weekend? Uh, mullet ratio was much lower than, than the wedding last weekend. Um, the mullet ratio in this one was zero. Okay. Um, this was a Jersey wedding. So it was at, uh, that, so like, it's, you know, you're not going to see as many mullets in Jersey as you are in central PA. That's fair. That's fair. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's fair. Um, a couple other wide receivers here in the, in this column, we'll try to get through them a little quicker here. Uh, Jaden blue at temple. Um, who has been productive, you know, in 2019, 95 catches, 1067 uh, yards, four touchdowns, really big year. I'm not as high on him this year than he's got an ADP of 308. So you don't really have to spend that much to get him because he's got the one math is throwing to him at temple. That's not really a recipe for success as far as wide receivers go. Um, but he should be rostered. Right. And maybe Maybe Mathis just locks in on him. That's like best case scenario there because they don't have that much else. Can Mathis actually lock in? <laughs> That's fair. I, I mean, he got he got beat out by Stetson Bennett. He got replaced by Stetson Bennett. So I, 
I'm not really that interested um, in any piece of, of Temple's offense, really. Um, you know, if Anthony Russo was still there, yeah, absolutely. Um, but without Russo, with Dewan Mass throw, Mass has thrown him the ball. That's a hard pass for me. I just, I struggle to see him, even though he'll probably be the focal point of that offense. I just, I struggle to see him putting up consistent week to week production. Yeah, I do too. Um, another guy here that I, I'm, I'm very low on him this year. And I think I'm, I don't see a lot of people saying this. I, I, I just have this feeling Jalen Robinson at UCF who thrived last year being the, the second guy there. Um, but now he's going to be asked to be the, the guy, you know, wide receiver 39 last year, 16 points per game, ADP of 198 or 189.5. I'm just not, sh- you know, I, so he, he transferred from Oklahoma and I actually wrote, I was in charge of the AAC when I was a dynasty nerd. So I wrote my preseason article as a guy to watch. And I, I, I said, he's going to play a slot role for them. He's going to be used underneath. He's an undersized guy. That's his role. And then he went out and was like the field stretcher. I was like, okay, this was the exact opposite of what I was expecting, but doing better than I thought he was going to do. But I'm not sure that offense is going to push the ball downfield like it did last year. So does he go back to the role that I thought he had, or is he just going to be, you know, a little more of a splash guy here or there going deep? I really don't know what to expect. Man, I you said you were lower on him than everybody else. Wow, wide receiver one hundred and one. Yes, I I see zero NFL potential there as well. Yeah. So I thought I thought I was going to be low on him. I'm the second highest on him uh, out of everybody on the site here. Mox has him the highest at forty nine. Then me at sixty. I've always called you a Jalen Robinson truther. That's always (laughs) been my nickname for you. Um, I. I, I agree with you. I, I don't think they push the ball down the field as much now with Malzahn there. I think that entire offense takes a hit with Malzahn. I do think he's the only real wide receiver on that offense. Um, and Jer- CFF Jared, um, Jared, he said he DM'd me uh, a while ago when we were talking about um, Jalen Robinson at some point, and he gave me a name of another guy who had some potential there as another wide receiver. And I already forgot it. So Jared, sorry. Uh, I have failed you. (laughs) I have failed you. Uh, (laughs) But I don't, I think there, he's the only real fantasy relevant wide receiver. I don't really love that stable of running backs either. So I could see them kind of funneling the ball to him and maybe hitting him underneath and using that part of his skill set. So, you know, I think he could still have a decent year, but uh, I think gone are the days where he's going to, you know, would have been a top tier college wide receiver. Uh, and then I don't necessarily know if I see NFL uh, potential there either. Uh, he's very small. 5'9", 163 is what they have him listed at on sports reference. Um, so you're, you're hoping for Tutu Atwell there. And yeah. that's just a losing proposition. Yeah. That best case scenario. That's not, um, that's not a very good best case scenario. Um, there, there is, there's probably two tight ends here. I, I really kind of battled with this, but I, I've, I've said my piece on ground Calcaterra. And so I felt obligated to put him in the tier below this, uh, Sean Dykes from Memphis is a guy that, that I put down here is an ADP of 276.5. He was tight end 11 last year, averaged just about 12 points per game. Um, he has dual eligibility. I'm not sure that really helps him or hurts him, but, but he's listed as both there on fan tracks, um, last year in a tight end role, 47 catches, 581 yards and seven touchdowns. 
he this is his sixth year in college like i i don't see a high end nfl guy there at all but i think he's a startable tight end this year so go crazy i mean i think he has a very good shot at being a top five tight end you know maybe even a top three tight end because like we talked about a little bit before it's as far as offensive weapons go for memphis it's calvin austin and then uh, so i could definitely see sean dykes having a very very nice role this year a very sustainable predictable role in that offense and that's not something you see a lot of out of tight ends uh, especially at the college level so he's absolutely a, a tight end that i want if i'm making a push on the college side you know, if I'm a tight end away from needing to, you know, from being the top team there on the college side, yeah, I would, I would go get Sean Dykes and at his ADP 276.5, you know, that's not bad by any means at all. So I, I like Sean Dykes, but like you said, NFL future, probably not. Um, agreed. Uh, maybe relevant here. So I, I think Mordecai probably falls in this range as well. Um, but we kind of already set our piece on him. Holton Allers is, is the name there from ECU. ADP of 400. He just doesn't really get drafted. Um, QB 49 last year on a point-per-game basis. Um, it was not a great year for him. I think COVID kind of messed with that whole roster a little bit, and then um, Prol uh, opted out uh, midway through the year. And they just they had a lot going on there. Um, but the year before that, I mean, Allers was, you know, 60% of his passes, 21 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. Um, and he does have, uh, a, like he can run a little bit. You know, he's not, I wouldn't necessarily call him, you know, a, a Konami code quarterback or a Russian quarterback. Um, but last year, or, okay. Last year he had 109 yards rushing the year before that he had 359 and the year before that he had 592. He's not a run first kind of guy, but he can definitely do it. And, and so I think that will help him uh, score better from a fantasy perspective. Um, if if I have a team where I went zero QB and a lot of the startable guys kind of passed me by, um, I'll take Allers as like a QB five or four or five on my roster. And I'm fine with plugging him in here or there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've, I've done that a couple of places, um, you know, where I, cause I, I like to have, since you know pretty much all c2c leagues all college football um you typically start two qbs so i do like to have a stable of like four five even six guys that i feel comfortable starting um just because of bye weeks injuries you know you want to have a nice rotation too just based on matchups so i like to have a nice stable of qbs and holt nollers is a guy that you can get pretty late that i think is going to have some nice production this year so yeah i like holt nollers um, similarly, uh, you see you there running back Raji Harris. I know East Carolina has not exactly been a hotbed for high end rushing production in college, but Raji really kind of started to take over that job toward the end of last year. Um, averaged in eight games, 128 carries for 624 yards and four touchdowns. And he, he's not a great pass catcher, at least not from what we saw last year, but still went six for 31 and one. Um, I, I, I get a lot of him because again, he's a cheap guy. I think he, he's a pluggable type guy and I'm trying to pull up his game logs here real quick, just to show how he came on uh, a bit toward the end of the year last year in his true freshman year. So he first couple of games of the year, you know, 12, 12 attempts, four attempts. Uh, but then after that, he went 19 for 115 and two, 22 for 172 and one 21 for 118. 
13 for 27 against Tulane. That was a stinker. Then 23 for 84 against Cincy and a touchdown. That's a nice, a nice line against them. And then 14 for 65 in their final game of the year. So I, I think there's potential there um, to be a guy that, you know, a, 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 a bi-week filler, maybe in a flex play at some point if he, if he has some more of those jumbo weeks. Yeah, I absolutely think he could be a flex play on a on a decent, fairly regular basis. Uh, I'm fairly high on him. I'm looking here. I have him ranked as my 67 RB, which um, I searched his name, so I don't have everybody who I have around him. But that feels a little bit high to me. But um, yeah, I mean, for a guy, no ADP, which also really surprised me that he didn't have an ADP at all. Um because I I feel like I take him in a, in a fair amount of places. So yeah, I I like Raja Harris. Um, I think that he's gonna be a very nice piece for you, and he's extremely cheap. Yes, yes, he really, really is. The other guy is Cameron Carroll from Tulane. Um, I th- I think people are kind of assuming that he's gonna step in and be the guy this year, kind of similar to uh, Raja Harris. There, ADP of three nine three thirteen point nine. He was RB ninety one last year. I've not watched any of him. I don't feel comfortable. He's one of those guys that just has kind of fallen through the cracks for me specifically. Uh, but I know that uh, he gets quite a bit of, you know, super sleeper hype. Um, and, and that's good enough for me to at least talk about him here. Yeah. I mean, he's a guy that I haven't really watched that much either. Um, I mean, if he fell through the cracks for you, odds are that he fell through the cracks for me and I haven't watched it yet are pretty good. Um, I feel pretty confident in saying that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I think that he's, uh, you know, definitely a fantasy rosterable player for sure. You know, like you said, maybe relevant, maybe he steps up into that lead back role this year and, you know, puts up a couple of nice weeks for you here and there. Um, you know, Tulane, they have a uh, Pratt uh, and then they don't really have a whole lot else. So yeah, I mean, I think he could definitely be a decent option. Yeah. Uh a couple of wide receivers here to talk about as well. Um, oh, actually, I only have one here. Um, Keelan Stokes out of Tulsa is a name that I don't really hear talked about very much. Um, I know he's a favorite of uh, Brad over at Roto Lounge, who has a very interesting um, model that he uses for wide receivers. He kind of you know puts in all the relevant information. It spits out a list of names. Um, it's how you know Justin Jefferson was his wide receiver one last year because of the, it's, it's a pretty good model. It, it's been pretty accurate over the past few years and it, it spits Stokes's name out. Now I'm not sure if it will continue to, because this will be his fifth year this year. I, I don't know if that will eliminate him or not, but he's been productive there, you know, as a true sophomore in 2018, 41 for five seventy five and two uh, in 2019. And he went 62 for 10, 40 and six. And then last year, he went 46, 644, and three. It's not an overly prolific passing offense. He has a very high dominator rating. Um, so he, he's one to keep an eye on, but I don't think he has great size either. Um, I'm trying to pull up exactly what his height weight is right now, but he's not like a big guy. Yeah, uh, and the Tulsa is an offense where they don't really – they're more of a defensive team last year. I mean, they had um, – Xavier Collins, um, they've had a couple other pieces on that defense too. So I, I, whenever I think of Tulsa, I do tend to think of more of like a grounded pound, like defense type team. And I, I'll admittedly, I don't watch Tulsa all that often. So it's I don't have a real great grasp on, you know, that. I don't have a real great grasp on what that system is, to be honest. But I just know that as far as offensive 
fantasy pieces go. It's really Stokes, and that's kind of about it. Yeah, yeah, it really, really is. Um, tight end, Grant Calcaterra. And and this is why I have I him thought I was here. I thought I was stalling for you to pull up his height weight. Oh, it's 5'10", 198. Oh, okay, Sorry. thank you. Thank you for sharing. Yes, yes. I'm sure everybody was dying to know. Um, you said you were pulling it up, so I, was I did. I did. I did. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Calcaterra, SMU, by way of Oklahoma, by way of Auburn, by way of retirement. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I fear for an Austin Colley situation with him. He had to retire at Oklahoma because he'd had too many concussions. That's the kind of injury, like if you want to blow out your knee three times and continue to go out there, like that's on, you know, that's whatever, you know, that it's going to affect your, you know, walking and everything as you get older. But the, uh, the concussion stuff, we don't understand it that well still. To go out there as a collegiate athlete at SMU, no offense to SMU. If he gets another big pop to the head, like it, I, I just don't like the situation for him at all. I, I, I do, I do have some of him. Uh, I'll take him late in drafts if he's still sitting around because Kylan Granson was fairly productive last year, and those are the shoes that he's filling. But it's just, I don't feel good about it, and and quite frankly, I, I kind of, and I really liked him at Oklahoma, but I, I just kind of wish he would have stayed retired. I would have felt better for him if he had done that. Yeah, I, he's not a person that I take anywhere either because I have that worry as well. I mean, once you retire from concussions, and, and he missed a good portion of 2019 with concussions yeah. as well. Um, so missed a good portion of 2019 with a concussion. He played three games that year. Retired, missed all of last year. So, you know, he's played three games in the last two years total. And the concussion issues, I just... I, I like the Kylan Granson role. I mean, he was Kylan Granson was tight end 15 last year, but I just, I worry about Calcaterra. I really, really do too. Um, but if he's healthy the whole year, I think he does fairly decent there. Um, the draft will be telling for him. If he goes really late, you know, that you know what the problem is. Um, it's not his play on the field and it's not, you know, domestic violence it, 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 it's the c word as as thad says um so <laughs> nice blue mountain state reference thank you thank Very you nice. so there are a lot of stashes in this conference guys this straight up um evan prater the quarterback of cincinnati is the stash of all stashes in my opinion um because he's going to step in and do exactly what ritter did after he's gone at cincy uh, adp of 197 right now that's low and he goes way earlier than that the stuff i do yeah, I feel like I see him go earlier too, but I pulled that from the site. Um, so I, I mean, I pulled all of these from the site. So yeah, I think he's it's their <laughs> average ADP. Have you seen uh, all the Harry Potter movies? Yeah, the third one where he's like, the map, the map was wrong, and he's like, the map never lies. Yeah. That's how I thought of that. <laughs> the website never lies. <laughs> that is his ADP there. Um, it's very, also very possible that I, I, I entered the numbers wrong, but no, I mean that, I mean, yeah, I, I, that, that's very, very cheap for him. Mason Garcia, ADP of 240. That's a stupid ADP for a guy that looked like, uh, doo-doo last year <laughs> to put it kindly in the one game he started. Now I will say in his defense, he never should, he was not ready. They did not anticipate him playing at all at UC no. last year. Um, but a guy that just is that physically gifted, I thought 
would fare slightly better as a passer. He looked awful. I, I truly cannot impress upon you unless you've gone and watched that game last year, how awful he looked. Um, so room for improvement. We'll put it, we'll put it that yeah. way. I like Mason Garcia. I don't like that ADP. No, it's 40, 43 spots lower than Evan Prater. Yeah, that's yeah. not, that's not good. Um, Alton McCaskill running back at Houston. Um, I, I've talked a little bit about him. I just don't see why he isn't going earlier because ADP of 222.7 because at most he has to sit a year and he's going to be the guy there. He's and he's, he's a really good athlete. He's a four star kid in this year's class at running back. He can catch passes. I, I, I think the sky's the limit for that kid there. Um, I, 222 is dirt cheap for that. Yeah, yeah, I like McCaskill as well. Uh, and yeah, like you said, at worst case scenario, he sits at wor- it doesn't even sit a year. Worst case scenario, he's in a committee for a year and then is the guy. Uh, but I think there's a very real possibility that he breaks out this year as well. And maybe yeah. not breaks out, breaks out, but leads that team in, in carries. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Shamar Nash at Memphis. Um, you you like Nash, right? That's a guy that you kind of like as a super sleeper. Yeah. Yeah. He's a guy that I think um, could definitely has potential as a sleeper there this year. Transfer from Arkansas. And, you know, like we said a couple times on the show already, Memphis is kind of devoid of, of talent right now. Like John Lobb said, um, you know, Memphis is kind of down right now. Like when he was talking about Cincy and their chances there, Memphis is down from what we were remembering them being. So, you know, with the, the being devoid of talent, I think that Shamar Nash is the guy who's going to step up and, and could be the number two receiver in that offense. But at the same time, next guy on the list here, Rock Taylor um could also be him too so i think he's also definitely a viable stash yeah they both are um not sure they might be too deep to stash it depends on it's, yeah i have like a league that i'm finishing up a draft it's 16 teams and it's like okay yeah they're stashable in that and a regular 12 team 45 man roster league i don't think you have to stash either of those guys no um so that just keep that in mind here uh, Preston Stone at SMU, ADP of 179. We don't know if he's going to get that job or not, but if he doesn't this year, then probably next year is his year. Four-star kid. I think he's the highest ever uh, a straight commit to SMU. Um, yeah, so, at least in, in and, the modern era. Yes. Well, until next year, don't they have that like borderline five-star wide receiver coming in next year? Yeah. Yeah, yes. so he has he holds the title for a year. Good yeah, for him. Preston, Preston Stone's a guy that I like a lot. I, I take him in a lot of places. Yeah, yeah. Um, apparently, apparently more expensive than Evan Prater. Go figure. Um, the short memories that we all have. Jordan Johnson at UCF. I'm not buying Jordan Johnson anywhere. No, nope. I think this is a total waste of a roster spot. But I thought I have to at least mention his name, or I'll look like an idiot. Uh, <laughs> transferred from Notre Dame. People like. Uh, there, there is some immaturity to be forgiven as, as, as a college guy. You know, I, I was climbing the roofs of the academic buildings at my school and <laughs> drinking like six nights a week. Okay, so I get that there's a lot of room for uh, for messing around a little bit as a college student. Um, he was just like not going to class and not going to practice. Those are two like the like the the coach is gonna tell you the first day you got to go to class you got to go to practice and guess what he wasn't doing either of those two things so he transfers from Notre Dame to UCF those are the kind of red flags I just don't think you really grow out of 
Yeah. And you, how do you go to Notre Dame and think you're going to get away with not going to classes? How do you get like, into Notre Dame? That's also a very fair point. Um, yeah. And if he, if he can't keep it together at Notre Dame in South Bend, Indiana, is he really going to be able to keep it together at UCF? There's a booming nightlife there. <laughs> I don't, I don't actually know that. I would kind of doubt it. But. I don't know either, but I'm assuming it's better than South Bend, Indiana. Yes. Oh, I was talking at South Bend is probably not a big Oh, I thought you meant yeah. Central Florida. No, I'm assuming Central Florida is better than South Bend, Indiana. I, I mean, South I would assume. It's Indiana. It's it's yeah. it's cold part of the year. I mean, at least at UCF, like it's always warm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and then the last geography. <laughs> Thank you, Colin. You're, for the, you're welcome. The basic geography lesson. Um, <laughs> last here is Mark Anthony Richards. Is it UCF transferred out of Auburn? He's really dynamic. He's a really nice stash. I think he's a guy that's worth being like your 45th roster guy. Um, Cause I don't, they, they, they don't have a lot of running back there. Really? Um, they have, I'm trying to think I wrote an article on this. They had three guys there last year, Bentavious Thompson, Greg McRae and somebody else. And two of the three are gone, I believe. And it opens up a, a, a big role for somebody and Richards could fill it. So that's all I got to yeah. say about that. Yeah, well, Ed Richards was with Malzahn at Auburn, so you got to figure he's a guy that he is familiar with the system and that he knows. So I think out of all of the running backs, you know, he's the one who's probably going to have the best chance to to make an impact there. So I'm, I, I and at that ADP three eighty two point six, like that's fine. Uh, I definitely think he's worth worth stashing and worth the roster spot. Uh, and and like he's extremely dynamic as a rusher, so there's definitely a possibility there. Um, on, on a relatively barren depth chart in terms of offensive weapons. Hmm. Yeah. So um, I think that's all we've got for like, uh, are, who are we avoiding? We kind of touched on them a little bit as we were going through at ADP. Uh, who did we say we're avoiding here? We're avoiding uh, Dylan Gabriel. Yes. Uh, almost for sure. Yes. We're avoiding probably Grant Canal. You said that you were a maybe on that. Yeah. I'm a maybe on that. I don't have him in a lot of places. Um so I'm probably out at that. I, uh, I don't know. I go back and forth. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a maybe. I, I'm out on Ritter at 71. Are you out on him at that too? Or are you I'm out on him maybe? At, no, I'm out on him at 71. I've gotten him in like the, the ninth area like a couple of times. And like, I'm fine there. That's not bad. You know, eight, yeah. nine range. I'm good with that. Yeah. Um, e, uh, CJ Johnson. Are we out on him at 157? I am. That's another guy I kind of go back and forth on. Um, I don't hate 157, but it's also not a guy that I'm like targeting at yeah. that range. You know, if I see he's still there, I'll consider it. Jalen Robinson, 189.5. <sighs> yeah, probably. That surprises me that's that low, to be honest with you. Yeah, a little bit. Um, and then... I think that's it, really. I mean, Jordan Johnson is egregious, but um, yeah, I'm I'm out on Jordan Johnson yeah. for sure. Yeah, awesome. Well, I think that's going to do it, guys. Um, make sure that you uh, continue to tune in. We've got uh, several more of these summer school episodes left before we get to the regular season, um, which is only 19 days away. It's very very exciting stuff. If you're going to be at the Fantasy Football Expo this weekend, uh, make sure to pop by and see us. The almost the entire campus to Canton crew will be there. Uh, we got people flying in we got people driving across the country. We're all going to be there. It's all going to be great. Um, 
be listening uh, to the podcast that we have on the website. Uh, Alfred's Why Wait Till Sunday. Um, we got the Fantasy Football Roundtable, the Debbie Debates, all of that good stuff. Uh, we've got all of our breakdown articles coming out. I think we've written like 20 articles in the past two and a half weeks. Um, so all of that going on as well. Just a ton of stuff coming up at the site. And uh, again, as we played at the beginning of the show, we've got we've got the two um, we've got we've got the two shows on Saturdays coming up. So it's going to be jam packed. We've got a lot coming for you guys. Uh, make sure that you are tuned in. But until uh, later in this week, I am Austin, and this is Colin. And have a good one, guys.